Hello and welcome to my podcast, Heal With The Real. Heal With The Real is a podcast where I invite survivors to thrivers of domestic and narcissistic abuse. And today's special guest has come on because she has written an incredible book. I've been looking through it over the, the past few days. She did um, kindly send me a copy. And Maria, my guest, supports people who are going through narcissistic or domestic abuse and I thought as a special episode normally I invite survivors to thrivers but Maria actually supports um, people through the trauma of narcissistic and domestic abuse so I do the podcast um, because of my book Fix Your Future that I wrote back in July 2021 and in the back of there are all the um, healing techniques I personally use to overcome my um, narcissistic and domestic abuse. So, Maria. Hello. Amanda, welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome. And thank you for inviting me to come and speak with you today on your podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, do you want to do a little bit of an introduction um, to your background? Because I know that you've been a psychotherapist for yeah. how many years in total? I know it's a long number of years. Well, I trained originally in the UK in 1992. So it's like over 30 years ago. Wow. And I had I ran a clinic in Covent Garden back in the day. I had a business partner at the time. We both ran the therapy clinic there. And I also worked at that time in London. I did some voluntary work that turned into paid work with people who were at the time dealing with um, HIV and, you know, um, substance substance addiction problems. So it was harm minimization. So I worked at a clinic there one day a week as well to kind of help these people to try and get safe and get healed and get off the, the drugs and what have you. And then... Um, back then what happened was I had an opportunity to go to Hong Kong and I've always been like a bit of a nomad in my heart I'd lived in Germany in my younger years and it was just too good an opportunity to turn down so I ended up and my my business partner had also she had health issues and couldn't continue working with me in the clinic so we decided to close it down we were both doing some private therapy from another clinic we just kind of you know rented out the, the space for certain days and times so she wasn't practicing. The clinic had closed down. I was doing um, maybe a day or two a week. And I just thought, you know what? Hong Kong sounds like really quite an exciting opportunity. So I ended up going to Hong Kong. And from Hong Kong, I, I ended up going to the, the UAE, Dubai initially, although I ended up in Abu Dhabi. And during the years there, I wasn't able to do hypnotherapy or psychotherapy the way I'd been trained to do it because there was no this is back in um, this is 1998 98 99 by the time I got to Dubai and they just didn't have a facility for it the only facility they had was clinical psychology which I have a degree in psychology as well and I'd looked into that pathway and had decided it wasn't for me anyway back in London and the only way in was through this clinical psychology pathway. And there was only one very well-known person in Dubai at that time. I personally did not take a shine to him. And I knew there's no way I'd be able to work with that person within that kind of a framework. So I ended up having to basically forget about therapy, which um, is what happened. Over, I went then and worked in HR. I ran a recruitment consultancy business for several years. I ended up working in Abu Dhabi for a very top-notch oil and gas recruitment company. When that ended, I ended up going to Baku, Azerbaijan, for a couple of years. Did a contract there with a, another big oil and gas company. It was fantastic. And then I went back to Dubai for the last year. My brother was still in Dubai at that point. And at that point, I decided I had kind of had enough with the corporate world. I really wanted to get back into doing healing work. So I did some refresher training, reminded myself of all the amazing things that I learned when I did my original training, which I still use to this day and still find to be massively, massively effective. So that's about 11 years ago now. And wow. I was working on, you know, helping people with self-worth issues, childhood trauma, childhood abuse, which are things I've been trained to, to work with anyway. And then uh, literally within two weeks of each other, two, two separate clients came to me 
and said, I've been dealing with a narcissist and I really need help. Do you think you could help me? And I, I knew what a narcissist was, but I, I wasn't deep into it. Um, so I did a little bit, bit of research and I thought, well, I'm going to do what I do because I'm pretty sure what I do will help these clients regardless. But I became very, very fascinated with this whole psychology of narcissistic personality disorder and how these really disordered people create so much trauma for people. So at that point, I did a lot of research. I spent, oh my God, I watched thousands of YouTube videos, as you can imagine. I've read probably about a hundred books. I just, I couldn't get enough of it. And it was like, I was downloading the information. I didn't have to study it. Once I read something, I knew it. I could remember the term. It was just kind of bizarre, but I also thought this is, this is the universe talking to me. This is what I'm meant to be doing. So probably I was studying it for quite a good while till I felt I really got a good handle on this. And then I decided to specialize in helping people to heal from narcissistic abuse which is what I do now. And I wrote the book that, we, that we, we, we're we going to probably talk a little bit about today. I'll hold yes, it here. Top so, 50 red flags of yes. romantic predators. Yeah. Yes. So that's a very are, quick nutshell version of everything. We are going to delve really deep into that because I think it's important for our viewers <clears> to understand all these red flags and understand narcissism. So, when did when do you think NPD, so narcissistic personality disorder, is the full title? When do you think yeah. that kind of that awareness came about? Um, it's been around for a long, long time, obviously, but I think it's always been around. It's always been happening. Make no mistake about it. But obviously, yeah. with social media now, we are all so much more well informed about everything um so when i i mean i started studying it probably seven eight years ago and i have seen how much more visible it's become in that in that space of time yeah and there are some some big names that i followed right away because obviously you start learning you start digging in and there's people like um Dr. Ramani, Ramani, she's on YouTube. She's got a huge, huge following. She's kind of at celebrity level, but she's absolutely brilliant. She's been around a long time. Other people like um, Melanie Tonya Evans, she's wonderful. She's in Australia. She was mar married and divorced a narcissist, and she's been in it a long, long time. So there's people who've been talking about it and helping other people for probably about 20 years. But yeah. I think now it's become so visible because of social media. You, you know, you don't have to search very deeply before you can find a lot of information on narcissistic personality and how to heal from it. And, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Insta, you name it. It's all over the place. It is. You're right. And I think, thank goodness for social media and that awareness oh, of yeah. narcissistic abuse. You know, yeah. I remember just going back to, for, for me, so I didn't know what narcissistic abuse was in... Um, back in 2020 and I was like you I was a sponge to find that information yeah. after I knew I'd become a yeah. victim of narcissistic abuse yeah. but the thing is I think the coercive part of it and we were talking about that in my last podcast that is not spoken about enough you know people think or see abuse as being a physical form yeah. Yeah. and that coercion from narcissism is not spoken about, you know, as much. So for me, I had to go away and learn about that. That's right. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was like somebody had gaslighted me. Uh, sorry, um, not gaslighted. They um, completely ignored me and ghosted me for two ghosted. weeks whilst I was living there. And I was like, well, what do I do if somebody does that? You know, for me, I want to make sure that we can talk about this in a reasonable way but for a narcissist they don't want to talk you know no, and they make no, you feel no. like that and I didn't know I was like well, what do I do so I like you went on YouTube and looked for people that could help me and, and when I did that first research a lady popped up that talked about codependency and unhealed yeah, 
childhood traumas that mm. that all came up and I was like wow this is me this sounds like me um and and like you yeah I went on this journey of finding out what narcissism was yeah and it's I think everyone I've ever worked with and all the people in because I have two groups I have a women's group support group in Facebook and I have a guy men's group in Facebook as well and they all say you know I just didn't know that this existed one of my favorite quotes I have a meme out there <laughs> and it does make me laugh but it's true and it's it's not funny it's funny but not funny and the, the, the thing he said was I never knew what a narcissist was until I, I googled why is my wife such a bitch <laughs> wow yeah and this is what happens. People go and Google, like, why is my husband or why is, why is my wife so yeah. angry or so jealous or so argumentative or so whatever? And then very quickly they find narcissistic personality and they start looking and they're like, oh, my God, this is a thing. This is what I'm dealing with. And then yeah. there's this massive shock because you have to go through to heal. You have to go through from where you are, through all these steps to get to where you want to be out the other side, healed and wholesome and self-loving and all of that. But it's a journey. So the first part of that is realizing this is what I'm dealing with. Oh my God, this is a thing. And getting over the shock of that, the shock, the betrayal, there's so much emotion. Never mind the abuse you've actually suffered. Yeah. It's a different kind of abuse and trauma to realize that, oh my God, I've been betrayed by this person all these years. This person I thought loved me isn't who I thought they were at all. And I've had so many people say that to me and, you know, they're just in shock and then there's denial and then there's the love bombing thing that happens. And it's, it's just such a complicated web that they weave and people have to really navigate their way out of that process. So well yeah. done you for, for doing what you did. You know, yeah. It's and it, it isn't easy. It isn't. And, you know, and still before I actually finished the relationship, after this was, you know, after the ghosting, um, he ghosted me continuously for a further another week. And I'd moved by this point, moved into my friends for a couple of days just to um, kind of get my head around what, what was going on. And that two days ended up being a week. And actually, in the end, the end of the week, he was still saying, I'm not ready to talk. But actually, I, I finished the relationship, something in my gut, and we'll talk about this. Thank God, something yes. in my gut and yes. my intuition told me I needed to finish that relationship. Yeah. You know, if, if I wasn't yeah. worth anybody's time to speak to and, you know, tell me why they were you know some yeah. kind of resolution yeah. and they weren't worth my time and actually I found out he'd been seeing somebody else and that you know he was already on to his next supply yeah absolutely so. absolutely but I'm really glad that you said I listened to my gut because you know that that is actually red flag number one in my book is to yes. trust your gut trust your intuition way back early in the early days Everyone I've worked with, everyone I've talked to about this, when I've said, looking back, you know, did you see any red flags? They all, without exception, say, yeah, I, I did. I knew something was off. But the problem is the good part of it, the love bombing is so fantastic. You feel so euphoric and on top of the world because they've got your your oxytocin and all your, you know, happy, sexy, hot chemicals firing. So you feel fantastic. So that is so good that you ignore the little red flags, you know, at your peril, unfortunately, but you just don't know at the yeah. time what an absolute minefield you are walking into. Yeah, and you don't realise. I remember being very early on in the relationship and I'd gone um, before I'd even got entered into a relationship. You know, he'd been just out of another relationship four weeks before yeah. meeting me right. that should have been a sign had yep, I that is a sign. It, yeah yeah you know but you know me going into this thinking yeah, him saying oh well she was this she was that is also another sign 
Yeah, well, it's another one of the red flags. They trash their exes. I can't remember which number is which now because there's, there's so many of them. There's 50. But these were the ones that in my early years of studying this and researching it and setting up my group and starting to work with people, these in the flags in the book are the things that came up all the time. And when I was researching and, and reading all these books that I read, which is a lot, there wasn't one that said clearly, these are the red flags you need to be aware of. So I thought I'm going to write one. So I did. And a lot of people who've read it have said, oh, my God, if only this had been out. And now it's my yeah. Bible. And I and I had three messages last week from three different people. Um, one of them said, oh, I reread it all the time because it really helps to hammer things home and reminds me and keeps me on my toes. And so many people have said it's ha it helped them. And that's why I wrote it, because I thought, you know, if it helps just one person to not, Absolutely. not fall for it, because the thing is, when you read something, it sticks in your mind. You don't go around all the time thinking, right, I'm looking for that flag, I'm looking for that. You don't. But the way our, our subconscious works and our mind and our brain works is that when you have read something and you see it in action, your, your subconscious has it. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah, 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 hang on a minute. I read this. I read this in Maria's book. That's a, that's a red flag. And what I also say to people in the book is watch out for multiple red flags because anyone we can we can okay tolerate we can forgive it we can overlook it but with a narcissist there's never just one there's going to be lots particularly in the beginning if they start the love bombing and that's just the phase where you're most vulnerable because you don't know what you are going to walk into yeah and so if you know and you see well wow this feels really over the top this is like this is fantastic but he keeps or she keeps texting me and every five minutes and they it's almost like they have this obsessive need of you. They want to be in in your life, in your face all the time. And on one side, that can be like, wow, it's so flattering. You feel so amazing. But you've got to stop and say, hang on a minute. What's going on here? Is this normal? Yeah. And this yeah. is where the gut instinct comes in. What's your gut telling you? Your gut is okay. telling you this isn't normal. It's, if it's too good to be true, it is. Almost always, yeah. it is. Yeah? Yeah. And there, there was a no few times, Maria, there yeah. was definitely a few times where I chose to ignore that. Yeah, now, exactly. Yep. Exactly yep. what you, yep. you said, yep. you, you know, the, the constant ringing, you know, or the, yep. the mm -hmm. early love bombing. I was away with my friends and, you know, and he's telling me at the other end of the phone, I love you, you know, and I booked yep. this holiday yep. before I met him. But there were so many that I looked yeah, back and, on. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, ignore. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you do because it feels so good because it's feeding your ego. And it's not that you're an egotistical person. It's just that we're human beings and it's nice to be told you're fabulous and wonderful. And it's great of to course. feel like that. But you've got to realize when somebody is that overbearing and over the top, it's not about them being obsessed and in love with you. And that's no offense to you or any of your lovely listeners. It is because they are trying to get control over you. Of course. And you can tell them, please don't text me after a certain time or please don't, you know, do whatever. And they will smash right through that boundary straight away. And yeah. you can test it out very quickly. So for anyone who's looking for love on the dating scene, get my book and read it. Because these, yeah. these flags, knowing these flags will save you a life of heart, a lifetime of heartache, really and truly. Let's talk about some of the flags um, okay. in your book. How many in total have I have you? 50. I have wow. 50 of the ones that just kept coming up and up and up and up. So that's why I picked them. And what I did, hang on, let me just put my glasses on. Okay. So what I did with the book, it made, I kind of structured it in a way that made sense. So we start off with just how to get the most out of the book, basically. I cover the basic basics of narcissism, just very basically so that people yeah. have a rough idea of what we're talking about. Talk about what NPD is, the different types of narcissists, because they aren't all the over grandiose, I love myself, aren't I marvelous? That is only one type. There yeah. are, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got, well, six, six, six subtypes. Can so I just different shapes you? Can I just yeah. stop you there and ask you, out sure. of those seven, in your personal opinion, who, which, which um, personality of the narcissist do you think's worse? The worst would definitely be the covert malignant narcissist, without a doubt, because they hurt with intent. They 
they all hurt they all hurt because they want what they want without regard for what you want or need across the board and they will try and control you and isolate you and do all of those things but they don't have that almost killer instinct to hurt you the way a covert malignant narcissist is really towards the end of the, the sociopath spectrum the, that that sort of because narcissism is on a spectrum and there is something called healthy narcissism which is a term i personally have absolutely no time for but the spectrum says healthy you have to have a little bit of, it's healthy self-esteem they're talking about and it should never yeah. ever be called healthy narcissism and i will i will not get on my soapbox but it drives me up it's the just wall. a little bit of the ego is it your own it's ego just, it's a little, a little bit of ego bit we all have thought. a little bit of yeah. yeah but i just don't i think it's such a misnomer to say healthy narcissism yeah. given how awful narcissism and narcissist is exactly so i have yeah. a real bugbear about that but if yeah. you come along that spectrum you'll have at the very far end you'll have the psychopath who's just you know completely without conscience and you know most serial killers will be psychopaths sociopaths are less crazy in a way that, as, as a psychopath but they are they are still very just without conscience they don't yeah. understand other people have feelings and they will malici maliciously hurt people as well. So the covert malignant, definitely, definitely. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, sorry. And then you were saying you were going through the seven. Oh yeah. I was yeah. There's actually six. And then I've talked about, cause I've talked about overt narcissist, which is your grandiose out there. It's yeah. very obvious to everyone. Oh, that guy or that woman is so full of themselves. They're very, vain, yeah. very egotistical that's kind of them then you've got the covert which we just talked briefly about then you have the vulnerable narcissists who are the victim type they come across as very gentle and inoffensive and they're just as deadly because they are incredibly needy and they 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 bring out the kind of nurturing caring aspect in and a lot of people and most of the people i've worked with tend to be empaths or highly sensitive people and that includes guys you know there's a misnomer that oh you it's only women it's not men are right. abused just as much and i have as many empaths men in my group yeah so the vulnerable victim it brings you know the white knight shining armor kind of thing comes in and the guy wants to protect the woman and, and fix her and by the same token the woman wants to be the one that can heal the guy because the woman is so forgiving and uh, so loving and giving and giving and all of that. So the match is made in hell, really. Yeah. Um, and we've got the cerebral yeah. narcissist, who's the one that's like super intelligent and kind of looks down on everyone. They tend to not be very sexually oriented. They're more about their brains and how brilliant they are. And then you have the somatic narcissist who's all about their body and, you know, they like to work out and show off their body and they look for someone who's like physically attractive, very sexy, very well turned out, works out, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the elite narcissist is a definition I've included in this book because there's a chap called H.G. Tudor. I don't know if you've heard of him. He I has a YouTube known. channel. He has a very big website called Knowing the Narcissist. He has published over the last time I counted, which is probably more than two years ago, over 60 books. Wow. He is a self-aware, what he terms an elite narcissist. So he kind of puts himself at the top of the tree in terms of how, um, how right, let me back up. He defines narcissists in a way that nobody else does. He has his own complete school of thought. There's schools, there's cadres, and he's very, very intelligent. You can tell by the way he writes, the way he talks. He knows his stuff. And he is both cerebral, which means highly intelligent, and he's also, by his own admission, he goes under a pseudonym. Nobody knows who he is. Nobody's ever seen a photo of him. Okay. But by reading between the lines, he's very good looking. He's very successful. I believe he's also quite a famous person or he, he not, not famous per se, but he mixes with a lot of British yes. royalty, for yes. example. Oh, wow. if, okay. if we, if we believe everything he says, because at the back of my mind, there's always that. Hmm. And he his is, name is again, Maria. It's, it's H G Tudor. And he is his, so he's a self-aware narcissist and he has this whole, as I say, this whole definition. So he calls himself the elite narcissist, which is okay. top of the tree. Very, very yeah. clever. So all of that. And he okay. is. There's no doubt about it. I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't win an argument with this man because he is very, very clever. 
but he's um he he he's written all these books to bring awareness and he says he's in therapy but he very much glosses over it and I oh I have questions about that too and I have actually been in touch with him by email he's always been very helpful very pleasant and I got permission to quote him in my book which is why I've mentioned the elite narcissist and I give some excerpts from what he's actually said in his book and it okay his books his books are brutal. They are a brutal view into the window of a narcissist's mind. There's like a, a horrible dark underworld that exists there as well. Wow. So when I mention his name, I always caveat that you do not want to read this guy unless you are very far along on your healing journey, because it will be very triggering for you yeah. and very emotionally painful. So just don't do it. And I know people who have been where you are now that, yeah, I'd love to read that and see what this guy's got to say. I can read it because personally in this life, I have never suffered that kind of abuse. I'm pretty sure I did in a past life because that's another thing we touched on briefly when we talked before. Um, we did, yeah. Yeah. But in this life, I haven't. So I can't be triggered. And I know all of the people, there's a lot of really, all the big names I've talked about who are really fantastic therapists and have written books and do courses and do what I do. They've all been with narcissists, all of them, all yeah. practically everyone that I've, I, I'm the only one who does what I do that hasn't been in a narcissistically abusive relationship, which is interesting. And they have all been triggered and I've seen it happen and I've read stuff they've written about it, but I can't be triggered. So it yeah. doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, well, I'm glib and insensitive. I'm fascinated by the absolute horror of it, but the, Understanding the workings of their minds helps yeah. me to be very solid when I say to people, you know, this person is not going to change. You have got to be the one to put an end to this and help them to heal in the way I do. Because freedom, that's the only way you can have the freedom. So his books are fantastic. But anyone listening who is still in a really vulnerable, vulnerable place, don't don't read them because it's it's too it's too hard. It's too hurtful and too painful. But so very interesting, very interesting. It's, it, it sounds interesting. And, and I think, yeah, it would definitely be something that I would love to, to have a read at. Um, well, you've got um, you've got in my well, you've got my book, haven't you? So just go to the elite narcissist and read that bit. And you'll see I do refer to H.G. Tudor stuff in there. And and yeah, follow him. Go, go, you know, check him out on YouTube. Listen to some of his. He does a lot now on um, the Royals. Harry and, um, um, Harry and Megan and yeah yeah anyway yeah yeah definitely um, definitely worth um, a read thank you for yeah. that um, so yeah. where are we we're at the to the top 50 red flags yeah so anyway so I cover some basic stuff like that what makes a narcissist why they do what they do and then we go into um yeah chapter two starts the top 50 red flags of the okay. romantic predator which is as we know we call it in this book the narcissist because they yeah. are predators they are out there looking for the right type of person they can prey who, on who are they looking for what type of people because this is um you know maybe the what the viewers need to be aware of yeah this is where we would be really handy if you remember i mentioned the lack of page numbers on my book because <laughs> what i've got here is uh, hang on, let me just have, have a look. What was the question again? Um, so the question, yeah, the the is question is for viewers, what's what kind of people are they looking for? Yeah, okay. They are looking for people that are kind, forgiving, um, gentle, although that it, it's not that you've got to be a little gentle shrinking violet to attract a narcissist. That's not true. They're looking for people and they're very, very good at figuring out people's vulnerabilities and weak spots. And they just have absolute radar for this. So they will look for people who are really, really um, understanding, kind and what they do in the beginning is they they will very often give you the big sob story about, you know, they've had such a terrible upbringing. And they often do this to kind of gauge how you what's your response like. So they're looking to expose your empathetic traits. So they're looking for people who have lots of empathy and kindness and because they know they can manipulate you and control you and that when they do things wrong, you then they go love bomb you 
they'll be able to hook you back in because you're a yeah. forgiving person. They also tend to be very good at spotting people who are vulnerable because they've recently broke up or they're lonely or they've also had an abusive childhood. And I've lost count of the people who've told me when they share, and I cover this in the book, when they share with you about their awful, tragic story of childhood, which there will be truth in it, but most often it's very much, you know, a fabrication or a, a ma massive embellishment of the truth. Yeah. But they often do that because there's something at play called reciprocal altruism. So when somebody gives you something, you automatically feel compelled to give back. So when somebody shares something deeply personal with you, especially in that sort of setting, you kind of feel like, oh, obliged to tell them, oh my, that happened to you. Well, you know what? exactly the same thing happened to me or yeah I had a really abusive mother or oh my god I had a terribly abusive father so they start yeah. getting you to open up and spill your secrets right early on and they will store all this up here because they're going to use all this against you in the end so people who are very open and I say in the book because with every red flag I give you I give you my advice and things not to do or things to do or things not to do my advice is always to not share personal information with anybody until this person has really earned the right to, you know, to your trust. Yeah. But they're so good at manipulation that you walk right into the trap. And then before you know it, they know all these things about you. And then they start this abuse and, and they've got all this information about you. And they, they know your raw open secrets and they use them against you so yeah so vulnerable people uh, people who've just broken up people who are lonely people who are needy all of these type of people can be real targets but also they're also very attracted to highly successful gorgeous people because they see it as the challenge and they can get in there and they can schmooze their way in and most of the people i work with in fact all of the people i work with are smart educated people they know yeah. what they're doing. You know, I've worked yeah. with lawyers, doctors, psychologists. I've got um construction guy at the moment I'm talking to who's hugely successful. I've got a couple of clients who are Fortune 500 listed people, you know. So these are smart people. And well, yet they yeah. still get drawn yeah. in. So yeah. anyone can be drawn in. Anyone can be drawn in. Absolutely. So, sorry, back to the 50 red flags. Yes. <laughs> we yes. will get there with these red flags. We will, yeah. So what did I do? And what I've done with the red flags is I kind of broke it into three different sort of categories. So okay. the, so in, in the, to start with, we've got the initial meeting and early days. And between in, in those times, we've got 19 flags that wow. you can be on the lookout. And I kind of go from the obvious things like, not trusting your intuition and don't judge a book by a cover because, you know, quite often this person will be really good looking, charming. They'll sidle up to you. It could be in a bar. It could be wherever. And you get kind of blown away. Wow, this person's gorgeous. And that's so I'm saying stop and think, ask questions. Um, yeah. Number three, red flag number three is powerful sexual attraction. You know, we all know initially in most cases You've got to fancy someone. And if you really fancy them, then there is going to be that sexual chemistry there that compels us. This is how we were designed humankind so that we can procreate and all of that. Yeah. Um, not that we need to anymore this way, but that's kind of our, our ancestors. So we're, we're wired to be attracted to people. So with an narcissist, there tends to be this powerful attraction there and they know it and they'll play on it. Even if they're, the, the, the victim narcissist, the vulnerable narcissist, tend to not be. They're not very sexually into things. They're not sexually motivated. But what they will do is kind of play on their lack of experience and, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, that's not, I'm, you know, I'm not, not comfortable with it. But they, then they draw out that thing in you that's, wow, I want to be the one to give them the best, the best sex they've ever had in their life. You know, it's kind of like a challenge. So yeah. it's not always that there's the powerful sexual chemistry, but it is in a lot of cases, which is, which is why it's up there. And if you're out okay. dating, looking for, you know, a hot guy or a hot, sexy woman, then the sexual attraction is going to be high on your list of things that, you, you know, you want. 
So okay. that's why you need to be aware of it. Yeah. And then we go through, I won't go through them all because I'm mindful of time and it's now, my goodness, time has flown by. It's taken. It has. It has. <laughs> it's just flown. been a really lovely conversation. Can we, so can we go through just quickly that we first can. phase, just right. naming each flag? Each one. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. So we got to number three, sexual attraction. Number four, love bombing. Massive, massive, massive. Yeah, and I've even yeah. said here in the in the thing where it says it, please, for the love of God, don't fall for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, emotional seduction, love bombing by a different name. So this would apply more to the the um one we've just talked about. Yeah. about the victorable who doesn't have the big overt sexy stuff going on but they will emotionally seduce you which is even more yeah. powerful actually um number six is they seem to instinctively know a lot about you now this might sound sound a bit scary because when i first came across it i thought oh my god and this i learned from hg tudor reading his books and his stuff because he goes into that in great detail they very often have stalked and researched you to find out what kind of a person you are. You know, is she an animal lover? Um, oh, is he fond of this music? Is she this? Is she that? And it's so easy okay. to find out a massive amount of information yeah. of on people now because of social media. Yeah. So they very often, they'll know that you love whatever band you love. They'll know you're an animal lover or they'll know you were in, on holiday in, you know, the Bahamas or whatever. Yeah. And so they have all these little touch points that you won't know they already know. And of course, you're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. He loves the same band. Or, oh, my God. He's sure. he, we so, you know, this is how they start to create this, this bond immediately. It's completely fake. But of course, you don't know it. OK. Um, so number seven, they brag, boast and name drop. This would often this would mo uh, more so apply to the sort of overt. But it's not always just the overt. So if yeah. you start hearing that and oh, they're name dropping it, this is a red flag. OK. Um, yeah. red flag number eight they want to know everything about you it's like they're okay. desperate to just suck every single bit of information out of you that they can oh I want to know what's your favorite color and what's this and what's that and what's yeah. the other and you're thinking oh my god this is great this guy wants to know so much about me or this woman wants to know so much about me this is fantastic but they're just doing it to gather information yeah so, so they can, yeah it's all yeah. it's all about control um on the flip side of that, red flag number nine is they want to know nothing about you at all. <laughs> They're absolutely not interested. They couldn't give a hoot. And this is, a, again, a different kind of narcissist. Either one, over, ex, over you know, interest in everything about you or absolutely none. Yeah. If they want to know absolutely nothing about you, it's more likely that you're what we call, what, what's called in the parlance out there, and again from HG Tudor, is you're a secondary supply. So they've probably already got their primary supply at home, which could be their wife, their husband, their live-in, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, and okay. they're just looking for some fun. And it's not yeah. necessarily, it's not just about sexual fun with a narcissist. It's always about attention, um, admiration, validation, all that narcissistic supply yeah. stuff that they are always craving. So either one, red flag. Um, mm -hmm. And they might be alone. So if you see somebody really good looking and they come into the bar, and again, I say this with a caveat, which I mentioned in the book, this is not to say there aren't good looking, you know, really attractive, sexy, nice people out there who are genuinely alone for whatever reason. I, I've got friends I can list myself, but wow, you know, he's good looking. He's um, incredibly kind. He's educated. I am thinking of a particular friend of mine where I live in Spain. He's absolutely gorgeous. He's very wealthy, um, good looking guy, kind and sincere, fun, speaks five languages, six foot tall, you know, this guy is a walking dream. So you might think, well, why is he? Why is he not with anyone? So you've always got to pepper it with a little bit of, okay, let's yeah. have a look at that and let's take all the other things into consideration. So any one flag is not a flag. It's when you start to see lots of them. So yeah. when this person comes in and they're chatting you up and they're really nice and you're always kind of in the back of your mind, you've got to be thinking, I wonder why he's alone. And it may be a genuine reason. Like my friend, he's, he's been searching for years. He's been dating for years. He ended up with three narcissists. I was able to educate him all about narcissists so he doesn't attract them anymore. He has now found the one, thank God, and they're going to be married Yay. next year. Oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah, it is. 
but he's had to look hard and he's really yeah. worked hard to try and find the right person. And I know he has because he's very close friends with me and he's shared all his stuff with me. And, you know, so there are good people out there. I don't want people to think, oh, everyone, just because they it's not the truth. There are good people out there. But you've just got to keep it in mind. Look at all the all the ingredients, all the things you're seeing. And there's always more than one. Yeah. Um a huge one, and this follows really well. If you get this person absolutely gorgeous, you're thinking, why are they alone? Well, let's see, let's find out. We start to find out a little bit of history and they start trashing their exes. This is something they will always do, almost always. The Almost always, there are occasional exceptions, but I won't go into it now, but then they will say their ex was crazy, jealous, a complete, you know, crazy woman or a complete bitch or however they want to describe it, or he was, yeah. a, you know, it's always, always bad stuff. Almost always bad yeah. stuff. And yeah. so you you then think, oh, poor guy, this poor guy. And all the stuff they make up, it's it's there's another flag further down called projection. But at this stage, what they're actually doing is all this nasty stuff they're saying about their exes is what they were doing to their exes. So yeah. you've always got to be thinking, ah, so this is projection. Is this what you is and you don't say this to them? It's certainly not in the beginning of these early dating things. You don't. This is knowledge you have up here in your head to protect you. Okay. Because when you know all these flags and you see them, you'll know enough to walk away while you can before you get tied into this relationship yeah. anymore. Okay. Yeah. Um, so trash your exes. Number 12 is they have no respect for your boundaries and they absolutely don't. And you can test this out very, very quickly. And my friend was doing this, the friend I just talked about. One of the things that we did, or he actually did, he said, oh, I'm going to try this. He and I would frequently meet every week with me and we'd go out for a drink. He'd come to mine or I'd go to his. But we went over to a beach bar one day and he took a picture, a nice little selfie of the two of us. And he frequently updates his, his WhatsApp um, cover image just what am I up to? So he put this picture of me and him up on, on his WhatsApp. And this woman that he'd started dating, no more, I think he'd started dating her like two weeks earlier, messages him and, what are you doing? Well, who's this woman on you? And I mean, I'm clearly, I'm a lot older than the man. I'm 20 years older than him. You know, I could be his mother. And what are you what are you doing with this picture of this woman on your Facebook, on your um, WhatsApp? If you have a picture of a woman on your profile, it should be me. And he's like, what the? Oh. He said, that yeah. is a red flag if ever I've seen one. Yeah. So he yeah. started to use that when he was on like, he was, he's on Tinder, he was on all the dating apps. He would send just a picture of him with another woman, not in a cuddly, lovey, you know, not a romantic, but just with another woman. It could have been like his sister or it could have been me. And he would just, he said, I'll just do this now to test and see what the reaction is. And yeah. it always... They couldn't help themselves. Because this is one good thing about narcissists are very, very predictable. And I think you said that last time we spoke. It's so yeah. true. They are. They yeah. can't help themselves. So that, yeah. so you can test them with the boundaries. You can say to them, you know, for example, don't, you know, don't, please don't text me after 10 o'clock because I've got to get some sleep. I'm up early for work. And I guarantee you, they will, they will almost always break that boundary and they will to oh but I couldn't stop thinking about you I'm lying here in bed I know you're in bed and I'm thinking oh my god wish I could be lying there next to you and the next thing you know it's four o'clock in the morning and they've kept yeah. you hooked in all the time so yeah. boundaries test it uh red flag number 13 they have an explanation for everything no matter what it is if you think you've caught them out in something they can weave their way out of it okay um Number 14 is you are a red flag if you're an empath or you're a highly sensitive person. Yeah. So they are the type. Yeah. 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 And we've hit on that. Is that so? Are they how many flags are in your first phase? Are they all... 19? 19, and we are okay. up to 14. So we've, we're nearly okay. done. We're nearly done. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, and with the empaths, I go into a little bit more because all of these, obviously, I go into these are just quickly the, the quick, you know, the quick headings. Um, number fifteen, you had an abusive childhood, or you had narcissistic or abusive, yeah. toxic, dysfunctional parents. That's always, again, most of the people I work with have had one or two toxic parents. It just goes with the territory. Yeah. Um, red flag number 16 is if they say you're my soulmate, it's destiny. And after they get to know you a little bit and all these other things are going on, you'll get that very quickly and you'll be like, oh my God, what's going on here, you know? Um, 
Number 17 is they might want to meet your family and friends very, very quickly. They want to know, like I said, they want to know everything about you. They want to get in and meet your friends so that they can charm them too. Um, but their family, they kind of don't mention, they don't want you to go near them. They don't want to talk about it. Often they'll say, oh, we don't talk anymore or, you know, so their family are always very, very much not a part of it. Number 18 is they are, they very often do not have any long term solid relationships of their own because narcissists can't keep friends in the most yeah. part. So any friends they have, they won't have known them very long. They'll be very superficial friends or what I call fair weather friends, or they may be just the flying monkey type who've been drawn in and kind of manipulated by the narcissist to be oh. their kind of coterie as H.G. Yeah. Tudor talks about. Yeah. And number 19 um, is they want to share you with the world. So very often you'll be blazed all over their, you know, Facebook and their Instagrams and, oh, look, and they're showing off to the world. They do this for two reasons. And someone messaged me yesterday about it in one of my groups. And um, why do they do this? I'm brokenhearted and it's only been three weeks and now he's all over Facebook with this new woman. They do it to multiple reasons, but mainly they do it to boost their own ego look world look I've just got this fabulous new woman or this fabulous new man in my life so it's boasting yeah. bragging but they also do it to hurt you even though they've left you or discarded yeah. you or whatever it doesn't matter they don't want you to move on and find someone they want to rub your face in it because they're just nasty yeah. people it's unfortunate but true so yeah. this is why we always say block go no contact as soon as you are broken up with them for whatever reason you've got to block them go no contact you don't want to see that nonsense don't want to see anything they're doing in their lives so sure. that is another one so that is 19 okay and, and yeah. just to add to that last part you know that was definitely um you know me i i found myself you know with with him um he had um love bombed me early on um and I kind of got hooked in and I felt very um yeah uncomfortable you know at the end towards the end and I, and uh, and when when he finished the relationship he you know like you said he'd splashed it all over the yeah. um social media and yeah that's it that's what they and do. it was my it's friends coming to me do. going have you seen this you yeah. know and we'd literally been separated a week yeah and that's just that just that just pushes the knife in and twists it doesn't it so you and don't want to know and you want to tell your friends look I don't want to hear anything about him ever again I, I am done with it and it's not easy because if you're trauma bonded which is a huge part of it and that's a later flag yeah um, you know, it, it becomes really difficult. But you know what I would like to suggest to you, Amanda, because I've so enjoyed talking about this and it's gone, the time has flown by. I cannot believe it. It has. What, because we have two more sections. So the next section is getting deeper into the relationship and the flags that are going to show up there. And then yeah. the third part is the actual big red flags of narcissistic abuse and what how that shows up. So it's in three parts. So why don't we, if it fits your schedule anytime, have two more podcasts where we can talk through these two next two? Because I feel it's incomplete I, I, if we don't, yeah? I, I, I absolutely thoroughly agree because there is, I mean, we're just hitting the very first part, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, absolutely. And even all that, you know, every one of those kind of just resonates. Yeah, so yeah. Deep, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, but yes, definitely. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation. And it's going so fast, I can't believe it. <laughs> it has. And it, this really? is really what happens. It really does go quickly because the conversation ends up flowing so well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, part two and three, let's do that. Definitely. Yeah, let's do part two and part three. And um, what I would also I... like to... Oh, sorry, go on. What I, was... I wanted to say as well is for your listeners, I would like to gift a copy. It will be a digital copy. Unfortunately, I can't do the paperback. But I would like to gift a copy, a digital copy, to any of your listeners. So all they have to do is... How can they contact me? What's the easiest way? <laughs> well, you tell us because, um, 
you know, you tell tell the listeners on here now. You know, the, the easiest, yeah, the easiest way, because I haven't set anything up for signups or any of that, is just to email me and just say, I watched your podcast, Fix Your Future with Amanda. I'd love a copy of the book. They can email me at Maria McMahon coach at gmail.com amazing you can put that below the link on your on the on the podcast can't you and i'm happy to send anyone just a a digital version and they can crack get cracking on with it so they can protect themselves in future because it's so vital it's so vital to protect yourself if you can you know it is it is and just understanding those red flags you know having that well you know in your arsenal is so important yeah you know yeah because we're then going going on to be trauma, you know, for the rest of our lives because yes. of um, somebody because of so it. Yeah. Yeah. evil. It's very um, true. It's very true. And I've got people in my groups who've been married for 25, 30 years. One messaged me yesterday and she said, I've been married 35 years and I'm only just now learning that I've been married to a narcissist all this time. And, you yeah. know, to me, that's just, it's so heartbreaking. But that being said, once you find out and you start kind of raveling, unraveling it all and put, putting the pieces together that, oh, my God, none of that was me. That was all, you know, him, yeah. that was all her. They, you can start redefining yourself. Absolutely. Um, there's a wonderful 100%. power. Yeah, there's a wonderful power. It's just quickly, I know we're nearly out of time. There's a wonderful power to heal within everyone. And one of the things I like to do when I talk to people is talk to that healing part of you that wants you to be happy and wholesome and loved and not suffering all this. But you can't yeah. until you peel away all these layers of trauma. And it's like coming out of the dark now and the curtains are parting and there's the light. And oh, my God, there's there's me. Here I'm I am. Person. Here I am. I'm a good person. I'm I'm not yeah. all those awful things I was told. And a lot of yeah. this stems from childhood trauma and stuff. But yes. OK, we can talk about more. Of that but yes, this is next. definitely an other conversation definitely part two and three so if you are watching viewers watch out because there will be another two versions because we don't want to finish there we want to go all uh, over all those red flags and make you aware of you know what to look out for in relationships so that you don't fall into a narcissistic or an abusive relationship maria mcmahon Thank you so, so much. It has been an absolute honour to have you on. Oh, thank um, you. It's been it's my just pleasure. Flown, like you say. It has. It's, I couldn't believe it when I looked up at my clock there. I'm like, oh, my God, that, that felt like about 15 minutes. We haven't barely even started. We haven't scratched the surface. So, yes, thank you so much, Amanda, as well. And I do look forward to the next ones. So, Amazing. yeah, we'll get, those, we'll get those on the calendar. Thank you, Maria. You too. Take care.